close the door behind you. You're now in the green room. Hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Green Room. I'm your host, Kelly Emanuel. And today, I'm in the green room with Romaro Graves. Hey, everybody. All right. Um, you, you, you've you probably seen him at the top of this episode. As always, I always put the, the feature at the top of the episode, just so you know who we're speaking to and who we're dealing with. Um, I've been, I've had the pleasure of featuring him on the platform a number of times. Um, but before we get into anything, I just want to give you, uh, the, the floor, Amara, just to tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about what you want them to know. Um, hi everybody. My name is Romaro Graves. Um, I am a Christian husband, saxophone player, uh, an individual who've made music my livelihood and being and a passion for dot, dot, dot years. Um, so yeah, that's me. Um, we are in this whole green room to find out a little bit more about me. Um, but that's just the introduction. So all right very good very good and i have to tell you i'm excited and happy to have you in the green room today um, i am excited to be here too yeah i'm looking forward to the conversation man um so the the first time i i saw you the first time i i saw some of your content saw you playing it was with the nicholas branca band uh-huh. um the viewers and listeners if you've seen that episode i spoke to mr branca not too long ago just about a year ago i believe mm-hmm. um uh how, what can you tell us with your affiliation or your your involvement with that band my involvement with that band oh there that sounds so official <laughs> um <laughs> I have been a part of the Nicholas Spranker band, um, I want to say about 10, 11 years. Um, you're putting me in a position where I have to count the amount of time that I've been <laughs> in the band. Um, I, I've been a part of that band for a while. And it's, I must say, it's a learning experience every time I meet and interact with Nicholas. Um, and every time we come together as a group, it's always a learning experience. Um, Nicholas by himself is a phenomenal musician. And Absolutely. when you pair that with the other phenomenal musicians that are in the band, it's it's a real experience, to say the least. Um, it's one where you're always learning something. And two, the camaraderie is genuine. Um, and it feels like a family. Um, there are times where um, we have conversation in rehearsal that sometimes have nothing to do with music and it has everything to do with anything else that has to do with life. And believe it or not, for those who are watching who may not necessarily be in a band or who may not necessarily be playing music but are interested in music, life does impact how you play. Mm-hmm. And the experiences that you have outside of music definitely inform how you play and perform music. And so I will say that a lot of those conversations have um, sparked a lot of things for me personally in terms of how I live, in terms of what I do musically. Um, so yeah, that band is more than just a cadre of a cadre, sorry, of musicians. Um, 
it definitely has impacted my life in a number of ways. Okay. Um, so, yeah. No, so there, there's a couple of things that you said there that I want to unpack. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> no, <laughs> but even, even before I get into that, um, I remember when I spoke to Mr. Branca, he said something that I thought was very profound, right? Mm-hmm. He said that uh, Caribbean music typically expresses happiness right we have soca music and yeah. um, you know calypso music and mm-hmm. and all these very light-hearted and festive genres zook. yeah we had, you have zook yeah. you know things that make you want to get up and dance yeah but he said that one thing that he's particularly interested in is exploring the full spectrum of human emotion through the lens of caribbean music all right what are your thoughts on that um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. My thoughts on that have a lot to do with my interaction with him. Um, I want to say before, um, interacting with him, or I should say along the journey of interacting with him and being a part of the band and, um, being around him, um, I didn't take, I don't want to say that I did not take our music seriously. What I what I want to say is that I never thought about it from the same, I, well, I no longer think of it the same way in the sense that I had that same view. You know, it's always joyful. It's always, you know, up and very bouncy and feel good and dance and do this and do that. Um, but being around him and seeing, you know, his process in terms of, you know, arranging stuff and just conversation as well, it it really enlightened me um, and it opened me up to the reality that there are so many other um, emotions that we as humans feel that we in the Caribbean do not go to our native music for those things. Mm-hmm. For example, um, when you think about here, here's this. When you think about going down the aisle at a wedding, <laughs> you think about the bar, um, the brown white nights and the boys to men. You don't think about putting on anything from our space. Why? Right. Because in your mind, culturally, we believe you know it's a romantic thing. And to be quite honest, there are very few things that automatically spark romance about what we do because i mean yes there have been there are songs that have a romantic spin to it but because of the rhythms and so on we don't go there that is not the emotion that we connect with that and it's because of being with him i realized you know what it is something that you know we all as caribbean music uh, musicians should explore. I mean, to be honest with you, it is something that because of being with him that I too try to explore in my own music. Um, It may come from a slightly different angle or it may come from the same space, but I mean, performance of it may may vary. It may not, but just the idea of wanting to explore the possibilities, the emotions that are, you know, the many emotions rather that we ex- we have as human beings, I believe strongly like he does um, that 
there is a way that we can, you know, approach bringing those emotions out of people um, with our music. And so hopefully 15, 20 years from now, people will think more about our music in the space of a wedding, um, in the space of, uh, for lack of a better example, a funeral. Um, but you get my point. Yeah, um, get, you know, yeah. just 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 to have our music being featured in more spaces than just a fan. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And and guys, you're probably wondering exactly what Mr. Branca said. I'm going to go ahead and slide that in right here. The the full gamut of emotions that Caribbean people ex experience are not easily found in their music. Um. So for example, when people are getting married or when there's a funeral, um, <laughs> I think I know exactly where you're going. They lose their loved one or something like moments of intense emotion. Right. We tend to have to go to other genres to find music that, that, that we identify with. And that has always bothered me. You know? um, I feel like I should be able to research as a historian. I should be able to look through my music, the music from the Caribbean and trace our emotional development, not just our political development, but our emotional development and our, our social development. In our... So that's very profound yeah so so that's what he said and and that that that's basically informing um what what we just touched on in conversation there now the other thing the other thing is this you mentioned you mentioned that the way you live has an impact on the way you play or your life experience uh is is often reflected in your playing right mm -hmm. and i'm wondering what that means for you Right? How, how how has that been the case in your life or or, or um, on your end? Um, when you experience loss, mm -hmm. you play from a different place than a person who has not really connected with that emotion as yet in their life. Um, and that is not to say I need you to go and you know, kill your cat or dog <laughs> so that you experience that. Right. I'm just saying that that brings about a certain um, dynamic about you as a person um, that also forces you to kind of do some, you know, looking in and kind of be very introspective about what you, who you are as a person and where do you go from this point? And that, believe it or not, will have a profound um, effect on what, how you play. And it may sound strange, but it, it does have some validity. Um, also, when you're excited about something, you are going to play differently. Right. Um, and there have been a few times, I mean, We've all been victim of it. When you're not interested in something, you also play differently. 
<laughs> so yes, you as a person and the things you go through and the things you experience, they do have an effect on how you play. Right. And and just to echo that, right? Because I think this connects very nicely to my conversation last month with uh, Drum Ninja. Um, he mentioned that something that has been critical for him in his career mm-hmm. is to um, bring good energy to, mm-hmm. to, to the bands that he plays with. And, you know, you get calls back when people enjoy playing with you and they enjoy oh, being definitely. around you. And I don't think, I don't think that that should be, you know, uh, that I, I don't think that's insignificant because if the way that you play itself is influenced by the way that you feel, then you want the right people around you to make you feel right. True, true. <laughs> to ensure true. that you're playing your best, All right? So I think true. it's important. Were you about to say something? Well, yeah, because the truth is that not every not every circumstance is ideal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you end up being in a situation where you're playing with musicians who, one, who don't necessarily feel the way you do about music, mm-hmm. um, or two, they as they as a person may very well be, you know, a little different. And that's kind of where, you know, your professionalism comes in and your musicianship. All of those qualities as a musician come to the forefront and you gotta know perform, even though the circumstance and the environment is less than ideal. Um and then you got to draw now from you as a person and what you want to deliver to people, right. because that's also part of it. Um, okay, for instance, for myself, when I go to play, um, I want people to take something away from what I'm doing. That is something that, one, I pray about, and two, I always try to you know focus on that when I play in front of people. I want people to take something away from what I'm doing. I just don't want them to be impressed by musicality or ability or none of the, um, I want to say icing. (laughs) I want them to be more, um, I want them to be more involved and interested in my message. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, that is definitely something that is at the forefront of me as a musician. Um, because I, I always want people to get one how I feel about music through what I play and how I play, but as well as a message, whatever that message may be. Um, so that is also a part of playing and being a musician, having something that you want to convey to your audience. You can't just be out there because you want to play. There has to be more to just wanting to play. I mean, I love to play but there has to be something more substantial to that. Yeah, and and I think once there is that that more, right? Once there is that that extension of purpose, um then your your music really transcends um uh just the the typical format or the typical experience that people that people feel. Right? Yep. So I applaud you on that. Um, it leads me to to uh, another question I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that you were recently nominated for Musician of the Year um, by, I don't know how to pronounce it. What going on? <laughs> what going on? <laughs> the, uh, pe- People's Choice Awards. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think that was, I think that was last year. 
Oh, yeah. it was last year. Okay. Yeah. But that's still recent because, I mean, that was just a couple, you know, months ago. <laughs> yeah. So, so so tell me then what, what happened last year and what was your reaction leading up to this accomplishment there? Um, my, my reaction leading up to it. Uh, to be honest with you, I did not even know till friends of mine, actually, Bahamets in the same um, Nicholas Michael Bond, mm-hmm. the players that play with me, um, they, one of them, mentioned it to me and I was like, pardon? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so when he did mention it, I went and checked and I was like, oh, okay. well, it was for me very humbling. I must say that. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that firstly, it was humbling for the fact that um, I was nominated with a list of people who I, I respect. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, fellow musician. Um, but secondly, and I feel this is probably even a little more significant than the first, as as important as the first is. Um, the fact that my peers and you know the general public appreciate what I do um, as a musician. Um, that is something that I want to say up until that point. Never really hit home as hard as at that moment. Um, because I do what I do because I love what I do. Right. And I do what I do because I feel like it's part of my purpose with being here. Um, but I didn't realize that much that people did enjoy and appreciate what I do. Um, I know people enjoy hearing me play or whatever, but to the degree where they would nominate me to be, you know, to have a title of being the best musician. I, that's not a thing I was seeing. Um, Needless to say, it is not a thing that I, you know, hold in the front of my mind. I still try to focus very um, seriously on what my purpose is and what my goals and ambitions and aspirations are um, as a musician. And so I'm, I was very humbled by the nomination. The fact that I was even nominated was a humbling thing for me. All right. Very good. Um, so you did mention that there were a number of people that you admire musically on the nominate, nominated list as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, can you share some of those people or just other people in general that you admire musically? Um and okay. any additional mentors or fellow musicians um, that you'd want to just shout out? Okay, cool. Um, there were a couple of musicians on the list um, who are people that I play with from time to time um, on the scene. And I respect them for both what they do and what they bring to their performance, their playing, the space. Um and one of the nominees actually happened to be one of the nominees actually happened to be Arturo as well, and he's a he's a musician who I have a lot of respect for. I actually, um, I was one of his students at at one point in time, and the mentorship with him was definitely life changing for me because, um, to be honest with you, when you talk about saxophone players and people tend to think about everybody outside. But 
I'll be honest with you, he is not only a fantastic musician, but one of the best saxophone players anywhere. You know what I mean? And I say that without a shadow of a doubt. And I have a lot of respect for him. He's an amazing musician. Um, so to just be in that space, you know, that was, you know, I was like, okay. People <laughs> actually think, you know, I am decent enough to be in the same space. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he was definitely on, he was on the list. Um, and, you know, there are a number of musicians who I um, admire. Um, um, but the three that I would, I would want to mention by name would have to be um, fellow musician who I, I consider a brother. Um, an older brother, essentially, um, Mr. Darian Bailey, okay. um, keyboard is extraordinary. <laughs> um, and he, the thing that I admire about him is the bravado that he has, the confidence that he has, and that confidence that he has, he applies that to everything he does, whether it's playing live, whether it's producing music, whether it's musically directing bands. He comes with a certain bravado that, you know, I look at that and I say, you know what, that is something that one has to, you know, have when you want to say, hey, I'm leading this group and I want you to, you know, believe in what I am doing. Because the truth of the matter is, is if, if you're leading something, people are always looking at you for what's the next move. All right. And if people look at you and you don't look sure, they kind of lose, you know? <laughs> um, and so I I definitely admire that about him, that bravado that he has. Um, one of the other mu musicians that I, I admire too is, um, this is a saxophone player from outside. Um, his name is Kirk Willem. And I, yes, he's an amazing saxophone player, yes. But the thing that um, really impresses me about him is, his ability to be unapologetically um, Christian and how he functions within the secular space and is respected for both his faith as well as his craft and his ability. That is something that I admire because unfortunately, um, there's the notion, especially within the Caribbean space, that, you know, Christian musicians are not good musicians, or at least that some Christian musicians are okay and most of them are not. Um, and then there's also the follow-up notion that, you know, if he's a Christian, he could only function in a Christian setting. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I feel like if you if you have been blessed with the gift of music and your calling is to function in a in a specific space, then it would be remiss of you to not function in that space, regardless of if it is secular or um, sacred. And if you are supposed to function in a secular space, you should not um, you should not not be a Christian in that space. People should still know that you believe in who you believe in and that you function in the space as a musician, but you know, respect what I believe in respect who I am. Right. And so I admire that about him and his ability to function in the space and be respected both for his faith and his musicianship. Uh, and thirdly, 
bring it back home. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't have this interview and not mention Nicholas as the person who I am here because of the reality that being with him for a number of years and being around him for a number of years, I should say, um, there are a number of things that I picked up um, from him. And one of those things is discipline. Um, he's a very disciplined person, not only just musically, but in life in general. And that's something I highly admire. Um, and it's not something that I, I want to say that I have perfected. I mean, none of us are perfect. And I, I wouldn't imagine that he would profess to have perfected it as well, because we are all on our own journeys, you know, of doing what we have to do. But at the same time, I admire that a lot because the commitment to, you know, doing what you set out to do um, is something that. It's not I mean, easy. It, it, it really <laughs> isn't. You know we I mean? all have everybody. In fact, everybody you meet on the street has some great idea and something that they always wanted to do, something they really wanted to do. And it doesn't always get done. It doesn't always get done, bro. Yeah. And it doesn't always come off the way that you want to. Right. But so long as you do it, I feel like that's, you know, crucial. Right. Um, and another point I want to say, too, is his commitment to the same thing we talked about earlier, actually. Um, the idea that our Caribbean rhythms and our Caribbean music um, can do so much more than just make people feel like walking up and jumping up and doing that. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many things that we can express emotionally with our music that I feel like we should all as Caribbean musicians aspire to express the full spectrum of emotion. And I admire that because I try in my small way <laughs> to, to do the same um, or attempt to at least um, do the same so that people can feel like what we do is on par and of equal value to everything else that we hear from outside. All right. And and I really think the path to doing so is really standing on the shoulders of giants, right? With each each generation with uh maybe in the next next 10 to 15 years, 20 to 30 years, uh we'll have uh, entire new genres of Caribbean music that can be traced back to this idea that uh you know uh, Mr. Yeah. Branca yourself and everybody is contributing to um and, and I think it's very important I think it's very important and it might change the face of the Caribbean uh, music industry as we know it hopefully <laughs> <laughs> hopefully yeah but uh, I'm glad to hear that the work is being done in that direction right um uh, now uh, we're 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 kind of beginning to talk about the next steps and the future of your career. But before we even get there, mm -hmm. I want to discuss the, the beginning, uh, where where the start came from, uh, where you, you actually get set off on this journey and how you uh, uh, first became aware of music or even how you learned that you love it so much. Wow. I feel like we should start with our question because uh, <laughs> I typically uh, do, but oh, I, I, I'll try to condense it. <laughs> Go ahead. Try to condense my response to that. The truth of the matter is, is that um, I started out noodling on like recorder and stuff as a child. Um, never really, you know, thinking too much of it because you know 
I had it home. Um, my aunt gave me a recorder, and I would just play on that, you know. And I never really took, you know, much thought to it. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to be. I I I feel like every Caribbean boy wants to be either a cricket play, cricketer or a football player, <laughs> and I wanted to be a cricketer, and so I was not thinking about music at all. There was nowhere in my thought process as, you know, between 8 to 12, where I was thinking about being a musician. I mean, what? What is that? Why would I want to do that? You're too busy looking at Brian Lara and Shanda Paul. And (laughs) And I'll tell you this. I I was a huge fan of Curly Ambrose. Like, you know, I want I watching everything that he do and I try to, you know, mimic my action to that as a as a pace baller. And you know, I was headstrong into the cricket thing. Yeah. So one Sunday, um a guy was playing saxophone um at my church. He was the keyboard player, but he also plays saxophone. And so he got up one Sunday morning to play a special. Um, and I happened to be playing drums at this time. Um, let's not have that story, but I happened to be playing drums. Um, and my mother was also worship leading that same Sunday morning. And so while this gentleman is doing his special, I am nudging my mother, like, so what's that he playing? Wait a minute. And she's looking at me, it's a saxophone. Just thing, right? <laughs> and I said, well, um, so I saw him pressing a couple things. And so I nudged her again, like, but what's that he pressing? And she looked, <laughs> listen to me, my playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> needless to say, I was attracted by the instrument. I wasn't really into how it sung, blah, blah, blah. That's after. But how it looked, it was like, you yeah, this thing looked cool. This looks super, super cool. And so I said, well, like, I feel like I want to try that. So that was, I was probably like nine, then, nine, ten. So you do your exams and you got to go into secondary school, right? right? So I got into secondary school and the second term of my first year at school. So still green in, in secondary school. And I went to the music teacher and I told her, hey, uh, I want to play an instrument. And before she could even utter what instrument you want to play, I was like, that one. <laughs> I had no idea what it was called. Yeah. I just knew what it looked like. So you understand why I say I was attracted by the look of it. I had no idea what it was the name of it. So I was like, that one. And I just pointed to the one that looked like the one the guy played. I didn't know if it was alto, soprano, baritone, nothing. <laughs> I was just like that one. I was pointing, literally pointing. And so she brought it down and, you know, we set up the whole lesson thing and cool, cool, cool. So 12 years old. Interestingly enough, um, and this is how I know that music kind of sought me out and not, not the other way around. Because mind you, I still into the cricket thing. Um, <laughs> I really do well. So 
to the point where the music teacher had to force me not to go to the cricket practice and come to his house and all that stuff. Right. So fast forward, two years later, I'm a part of um, the National Youth Orchestra here at the time. And there was this cultural exchange and we had to go to Cuba. And we went four weeks in summer and um, got there. We were supposed to do concert band stuff. And one day I heard a guy playing some saxophone and him playing will be playing it's like concert bar rehearsal <laughs> and i was like okay i need to find that guy and you know like the pipe piper i am following this the sound of the instrument to wherever he was got there and i was you know peeping behind the door and he was in a small room practicing doing some stuff that completely blew my mind and I want to say that planted the seed for me of, okay, I want to do that. And I returned home to Barbados after that trip and realized, you know what? I want to be a musician. And so at 14, I decided I wanted to be a musician. And I've been on that journey and that quest ever since. That's really beautiful, man. That's really good. Yeah, and it, it uh, I'm just listening to your story there, and it amazes me because I really feel like music is inside of people. Like you, you come into this world with with that that seed inside of you, right? Mm-hmm. And and as as you get older, it it starts to come out and blossom, and it, the way it does so is through that interest, you know, that initial interest yeah. of. From that little boy in that church, just looking at at the like, what's he doing? Exactly. Because every little boy doesn't have that. No. You know? Not at all. Not at all. You know. Not at all. And um, so even from from that young age, you know, you could see and I could hear how that seed started to blossom as you got older. You know, and I've I've been doing this green room um show for uh, uh we're approaching two years now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, approaching three years now I think it's kind of crazy how the time is (laughs) but it doesn't wait for anyone bro (laughs) yeah but as much as I've had the opportunity and the privilege to speak to musicians all across the diaspora I I had that similar um um journey from everyone where you know there was that something everybody has that something deep down and it starts to come out um, just the, at about that age, nine, ten, seven, six, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it's it it's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And I really think that because I'm a Christian myself, and I'll say I really think that God places that in people. Um, and it's interesting to me earlier when you mentioned that um, there there's a, a narrative in the Caribbean that uh, Christian musicians are not that good, um, but it's ironic because the majority of musicians are Christian <laughs> or they yeah. are church musicians. They actually church, started, yeah. you know, yeah. so uh, that's, that's an ironic take if that's yeah. the case. Um, because what happened, not to, not to cut you off, but mm. sometimes what happens is that, you know, you think, you think that the idea of being a good musician exists outside of, of the church setting. Mm-hmm. And with that, sometimes, you know, the temptations of what are out there, the things that are out there 
lead you to kind of, you know, navigate away from your Christian, you know, background. And you end up doing a lot of things that you probably should not do. Um, and, you know, it kind of courses your direction in a whole different, you know, field. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that if you, if that, that calling is still there, mm-hmm. you've never really left it. I mean, it never left you, but right. you may decide to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but it's sad how that works. Yeah, but- you, you, you tend to get, in an interesting way, you tend to get more respect for your ability outside. Yes. It should never really be so, but um, unfortunately it is. Yeah. I think some of that is because very often musicians are seen throughout their entire um, journey growing up in these same churches and growing mm-hmm. up in the same space. And so people don't realize the level of growth. Um, and so the associated respect uh, doesn't follow. Whereas in other spaces where these people aren't as familiar yeah. with you, you come in and you're like, wow, you know? It's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, so I think that that may play a role. Um, it does. Now, I have another thing for you here. Um, be, before we get to like the future trajectory of your career, right, and all of mm-hmm. that, uh, I want you to imagine with me that we're we're sitting in front of a, a full auditorium full of Caribbean musicians from. Mm-hmm. All across the diaspora, you know, we have the Lucians and the Bajans and the Trinis and the Grenadians. Mm-hmm. Everybody's here, right? Because virtually, you know, we they are <laughs> there, are right. Uh, this is gonna, you know, be on YouTube. It's gonna go uh, uh, all around. So, what would you say to the the region right now? Um, in terms of uh, what would you say to these these musicians? You have the floor, you have an open floor. What are some things that you might want to say to them? Um, don't stop believing in what you do and who we are as Caribbean people. Um, I feel like we we have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. But I find like we want to fit a certain mold that is essentially what everybody else's impression of who we are is. And that kind of stifles the extent of what we can do. And so we should really just focus on being the best version of ourselves that we can be. Because the truth of the matter is, is that whether you believe it or not, everybody outside want to have a piece of what we do. And funny enough, they like what we do and want to incorporate it into their thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? And they don't necessarily get done well. and there, I mean, and there are like, you know, A-list musicians that are trying it and they're, you know, celebrated musicians who are, you know, trying to tap into what we do, you know, and they're getting close. I dare, I would dare say that if we don't watch ourselves, they may end up doing it just as good as we do and we will not realize. <laughs> but 
because we are in this space and because it is so um, innate to us, I feel like we should capitalize on our unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that they want it. And if someone else wants something better, well, more than you, eventually they will take it and they will go further than you with your own thing. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, so let's not play catch up because when we play catch up, it means that <laughs> we've lost our thing to someone else. So let's not play catch up. Let us lead with what we do and let them try to, you know, try to act. So what it is that you're doing? What is it that is so different about how you do what you do? Um, you know what I mean? I, I recently watched a um recently watched a documentary, and this was kind of like shot like way back. Um, but it was a documentary on Kasak. And the documentary had um, Nile Rogers from Cheek mm-hmm. and Miles Davis in it. And they were talking highly about um, Kasab music. And it's like, those are people that you hear about, look up to their records are the records that sell millions. Those, right. rec- those, those guys' records are the records that we look to, you know, learn music off of. And they're looking at Kasab stuff and having such high um, respect for it and speaking about it in such high regard, it's like, but hey, we have to have something about what we are doing that everybody else want to know what it is that we are doing. So let's not not shoot ourselves in the foot and say, we think it's only for blah, blah, blah. Nah, we can do so much with what what we have. And so, you know, don't, don't sleep on it. Let's not sleep on it. Right. Yeah, and I think uh, another way to package that is basically saying to appreciate your authenticity before it is duplicated. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, right. of uh, course. And there are a lot of copies that have been already made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all good copies, but copies nonetheless. Yeah, and I think so. In my opinion, some of what happens there is that larger economies tend to have more money and so mm-hmm. they can afford a wider distribution mm-hmm. right and also with a larger population um there might be that sense of greater appreciation right and so for example i remember when i started playing music and you know uh, i'm more of a gospel musician right so mm-hmm. i started becoming aware of like you know your kirk franklin and your israel and you right. and, and all that so and i used to listen to those records and go like yo how do you do it what's he what is that you know <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that is is not because these musicians are necessarily um you know bringing something that our space cannot bring but it's more so that their district, their net is wider, right? The reach mm-hmm. is wider just because of the the money and the funding and the audience that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what you just said is so important, so important in, a, in order for us to keep the flavor that we have as, as a Caribbean people and Caribbean musicians. So folks, I hope you guys receive that. I hope you guys process that. <laughs> My dad used to have this funny saying, he used to say, put it in your 
put it in your your thinking cap and smoke it. So, so, so oh, take it, put it, put it, put it in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, put it in your pipe and smoke it. That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah. saying. Well, funny enough, my my father was my father would tell me that as a child too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, before we get head out the door, um, just two more things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could just kind of give us a sense of where you would like your career to head, where what what are you working towards now? And um, secondly, what questions do you have for the cadence? What questions do you have for me? Uh, I'll start with I'll start with me first and end with you. Um, where I see myself, uh, let's put it, let me put it this way. Within the next five years, I want to be doing more touring. Uh, I mean, things will open back up now so you could tour. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so I want to do more touring, doing um, my own music. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is I, I, I do like to write and compose. Um, and I do have, you know, original pieces out. So, you know, for those of you watching, you can always key me in on YouTube and you'll find my stuff. Um, but I just want to put more stuff out. You know, for people to hear, you know, how I, as I mentioned earlier, how I feel about music um, and also the message or messages that I want to convey to people um, in a tangible way for people to take and have their own copy that they can listen at their leisure. Yeah. Um, And not necessarily having to, you know, see where next I am to play performing life. Needless to say, when I'm in your space, Please come on and watch me play. <laughs> um, but yes, in the next within the next five years, I want to see myself doing. I see I'm, I'm seeing myself doing more of that, and I'm presently, you know, you know, working on new music, you know, to put out and release for the people so that they can hear what I have to offer. Um, so that's definitely um, what I see, especially in my immediate future. Um, and in the distant future, um, I just really want to be, you know, someone who has contributed um, in a significant way, um, or rather in my small way to, you know, the landscape of music here in Barbados and um, within the wider region um, in a way where, you know, what I do can influence the generation behind. I don't want to be, you know, another statistic. Mm-hmm. Statistic. <laughs> I want to be in a position where, you know, people can listen to what I do and be influenced by what I've done. Um, just the same way how um, I've been influenced by Arturo and by Nicholas and everybody else who are even local heroes here who, you know, I've had the privilege and honor to work with, talk with, um, learn from, you know what I mean? I just want to be able to contribute and pay for, pay it forward um, to the next generation and in my small way, be able to contribute. So those are the things that I have um, for my future. Okay, very good. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. And uh, it, uh, it sounds to me that you're very well on your way. So I want to encourage you to stay focused 
Um, Thank you, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> I'm very confident you. that, uh, you know, God will direct your path in that direction. Thank you. Uh, uh, um, and, and finally, what are your questions for the cadence? Ha ha. <laughs> I think it's, well, it's a two-prong question. Um, okay. And I guess you could kind of answer it all at once. Mm. Um, but I would ask you, uh, what is your mission for the platform? And um, what got you started on this journey? Oh, and no problem. So the mission of the platform, right, is mm-hmm. to, uh, of course, it is a networking platform, right? So right. we've managed to connect musicians across the Caribbean region in a way that was never done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now folks... Folks in Barbados know folks in Jamaica and folks in Jamaica know folks in St. Lucia and people are working together. We actually have uh, a venture called Carry Collabs where Mm. um, uh, at least a few times a year, uh, we're able to bring musicians across the region together to actually work on a project. And um, we're, we're, uh, we're happy to have two Carry Collabs out already. And the third one is currently being mixed as we speak. Um, Lovely. So I'm looking forward to how that's going to come out. Um, it's a different sound from some of the past two. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's very intense. Um, and, and I I really like it. We have some very talented musicians on that one. Um, right. So yeah, number one, a networking platform. Um, and we, you know, we're excited and happy to give uh exposure to uh, all the Caribbean talent that we have. Right. Um, when I when I first started, uh. Mm-hmm. Caribbean cadence called Lucian musicians at the time. Uh, I wasn't, I, I can't say that I was completely sure that I would have the content for the rate or frequency of posting that I was looking for. Okay. But I came to realize that there's an overabundance of talent, you know, and, yeah. and, and honestly the, the two post format that we have could, could become a three post or four post format. It's on, the only limitation is just really my time and mm. my own availability to, to feature people, mm. but there's an overabundance of people. And, you know, we have a very talented region, very talented musicians, but even aside and above, uh, well, not above, but uh, alongside networking, it's also a platform for learning. Right. We haven't had the bandwidth to grow in that direction as much as we would like at, at this stage. Okay. Um, but it, it's an internal conversation that's happening. And um, as time goes on, we hope to c- continue to grow to the point where we can facilitate learning. All right. right. Um, uh, and not just learning, but additionally, we have musicians that need instruments they need resources Mm. um they need tools and you know equipment you know to continue to grow to continue to maximize their potential and and it's in my vision um to continue to grow the platform to the point where we can begin you know providing uh these musicians with with some of what they need Mm. right um so i'm looking forward to us getting to that point um and you asked how this all started, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I left, so I I did secondary school in St. Lucia. Right? Right. I'm St. Lucian. Um, 
and uh, I went to college here in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. So I moved to the U.S. for for university. And, you know, I missed my friends. I had a lot of musician friends in St. Lucia. And I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a point in the internet where, you know, all these live arrangements started coming out. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I would find these things and, and, you know, I was playing with a band here, here on this end and, you know, some of these guys are still some of my best friends today. And, um, you know, we would just be finding these things and sharing them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share them with my friends back home. So right, I, right, I, right. Yeah. I created this Facebook group and I would start sharing these video- videos in there. And I was kind of surprised because the, the group started to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, of course, I got busy and, you know, life happened and I stepped away for a while. True. Um, but then a few years ago, I, I sat down and I thought, you know, that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <sighs> I had gotten to the point where I, you know, just from, you know, other uh, things that I'm involved with, I learned mm-hmm. a little bit more about digital marketing. I, I started to learn a little bit more about social media. Mm-hmm. I okay. said to myself, you know what? I can channel some of that same stuff I was doing before mm-hmm. uh, with a platform for Caribbean instrumentalists, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's how the whole platform was born, mm-hmm. you know? So that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's where we very, are. Very cool. Um, that's very, very cool. We've grown to the point where, you know, now there's a team. Uh, I'm happy to work alongside um, Eliezer in Jamaica. And okay. we have. Uh, Makayo uh, Carter in yeah, 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 yeah. Looks like you know, <laughs> hey, I did a couple things with him too. Oh yeah, yeah. he's he his future is very bright, man. I'm very oh, proud yeah. of him. I'm very Most proud definitely. to see what he's doing. Most um, definitely, uh, he's a very ambitious young man, and you know, shout out to Makayo. Yeah, man. Um, so, Mr. Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So that that's the cadence. Um, that we're we're going into our third year now, and. Uh, when people see this, it's going to be December. Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be December. Um, I'm not completely sure. But uh, guys, there will be one more episode following this. Um, uh, we're happy to have Romaro in the green room with us. Um, you have anything else to say before we head out? Uh, I'll just say keep striving to all those young musicians out there. Um, you know. Don't give up on your dream. I mean, I, I know that may sound cliche, but the truth is, is that if you don't believe in it, no one else is going to believe in it for you. Right. So you got to believe in it for yourself. Um, and look out for some more music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, absolutely look out for his music. I'm going to be sharing Romaro's uh, information in the caption of this video. Um, also, if you're following us following us on Instagram, you will see a number of features of his leading up to the release of this episode. Uh, so make sure you go check out those features, uh, check out his handle on Instagram, make sure you support, 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 get some music, get some merch. Thank I don't you. know if you have merch. <laughs> but, soon, soon, yeah, soon. Soon, yeah, so, so keep speak an eye it all into being. Speak it all into being. Come on. Yeah, man. Keep an eye yeah. out for that. And, oh, yeah. Um, keep an eye for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, make sure you show your support, you know how to do it, and uh, I will see you guys. Hmm, I don't know if I'll see you guys next month, but. <laughs>
<laughs> because play some pressure on him. You know what? I I will see you guys next <laughs> month. I will. I will. I'll make some adjustments and I'll see you guys next month. Um, I'm not too sure who we'll be speaking to next month yet, but uh, you can you get just stay tuned. I have a feeling it'll be a very special guest, and um, yeah, see you guys next month. And Good. thanks, thanks for sticking with us another year. Thank you so much, Ramara, for joining us. And no problem, brother. Bye for now, guys. Take care.